This afternoon, I proclaim to you the word as we confess that in Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 10. We'll also read Article 13 of the Belgic Confession with that. But we begin with Lord's Day 10. There we confess the following. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. And then Article 13 of the Belgic Confession, page 505 in your book of praise. And there we also confess the providence of God as follows. We believe that this good God, after he had created all things, did not abandon them or give them up to fortune or chance, but that according to his holy will, he so rules and governs them that in this world nothing happens without his direction. Yet God is not the author of the sins which are committed, nor can he be charged with them. For his power and goodness are so great and beyond understanding that he ordains and executes his work in the most excellent and just manner, even when devils and wicked men act unjustly. And as to his actions surpassing human understanding, we will not curiously inquire further than our capacity allows us, but with the greatest humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, and we content ourselves that we are pupils of Christ, who have only to learn those things which he teaches us in his word without transgressing these limits. This doctrine gives us inexpressible consolation for we learn thereby that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the direction of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures so under his power that not one hair of our head, for they are all numbered, nor one sparrow can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. And this we trust because we know that he holds in check the devil and all our enemies so that they cannot hurt us without his permission and will. We therefore reject the damnable error of the Epicureans who say that God does not concern himself with anything but leaves all things to chance. So far, our confessions. Brothers and sisters in the, in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to the Lord, what does God have to do with your life? Is he relevant to your everyday life? Well, he is. We confess here that he is involved with our daily lives in a very real way. We paid some attention to that this morning already. This afternoon, we confess God's providence, his government of our lives, everything from his hand, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Normal everyday things like food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, good things, Difficult things, sad things, things that make you happy, things that cause sorrow, all from him, directly and indirectly to via people around us, via ourselves. And we call that 
God's providence. That's our theme for this afternoon. We consider two things about that as we confess that in Lord's Day 10. What is it? And secondly, what is its benefit? What is the benefit of knowing it? First of all, what is God's providence? That first answer of Lord's Day 10 begins with the basis of God's providence, with what's behind the things that we experience from his hand day by day. And that's that by his almighty and ever-present power, God still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. He, he makes sure that heaven and earth still exist, that his creation still continues to be. And you have to take note of that little word, still. Still. God lets this world and the universe continue. Still. Ever, com- ever considered how, how amazing that is? Let me do some rough calculations here. There are about 7 billion people on earth today. All those 7 billion people are awake around 16 hours a day. And how often do those people sin per hour? Of course, everything we do and say and and even think is tainted with sin, but let's just say for for comparison's sake that we all sin five times an hour. So that would mean that per year, God is sinned against, and let's calculate here, five sins times 16 hours times 365 days times 7 billion people. That's a big number. 204 quadrillion times a year, more than. Hard to imagine how many that is. How many times God is offended by people, by all of us here on earth per year. And then, if I was God, I would have done things a lot different. I don't think I would have been able to restrain myself, but would have become so angry with it all that I would have destroyed this whole universe long ago. Away with those sinful people, away with that broken world, people who continually step on his heart, But God still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. He doesn't destroy it all. How is that possible? It's because God is so patient in his mercy. He's so slow to anger. He holds in his wrath a long, long time. Much longer than you or I could ever keep our anger in. He's long-suffering. He gives people time to repent. Whenever there's a big atrocity or disaster in this world, people end up, you know, they, they question God. Like with a hurricane kills all kinds of people or an air crash that takes a lot of lives at one time, and you hear the skeptics say, Right? Where was God? Where was God? Why didn't he stop that from happening? Actually, if you think about it, the question should be, 
Why not? Why would God not even destroy everybody on earth? The issue is not really why people perish because of atrocities or disasters, but why God still allows life to continue for anybody here on earth at all. He even lets people enjoy life and beauty here yet. Beautiful things. As we mentioned, God is incredibly patient. And he, from his word, we know he does that because he's giving people time to repent. Time to think things through. The disasters which he allows from time to time here and there on this earth are, as C.S. Lewis once put it, are God's megaphone to call people to wake up. People have fallen asleep in spite of the brokenness of life here and have accepted it all. The news of terrible disasters and atrocities and horrible crimes we hear and read about on the news, they're a call to everyone to turn to God, the maker of heaven and earth, to wake up while there's still time. On the other hand, God still allows goodness to happen here yet. Good things. We can enjoy so many things. That's a wonder. But also the goodness that God still allows here is a call to repentance for this world. Years ago, somebody wrote a book that had the title, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And he tried to explain why bad things happen to good people. People ask that question, right? But a number of years ago, a Reformed theologian, John Gerstner, he wrote a booklet entitled, Why Do Good Things Happen to Bad People? And then he meant everyone as the bad people. Why do good things happen to bad people? He said that the presence of evil and suffering in this world should not surprise us at all because all the sins and misdeeds of of people here on earth, including ourselves, just cry out for God to do something, to end it all. What's truly surprising is that there is any good at all in this world to enjoy. Why does God still allow people to enjoy so much good in this life? So much beauty yet? Why does God still allow me to enjoy myself so often yet? Well, God is patient. And in showing so much goodness yet, he's calling everybody to look to him, to love him, to live for him. The goodness of the Lord, you see, is also meant to call us to repentance. So that's the first thing we can think about in connection with God's providence. Amazement that the universe and the world and mankind is still here. God still upholds it all. Because he could have ended it long ago and nobody could fault him for it. Because of what he has to put up with from from mankind. But 
he's patient and continues to call people to himself through all the good and the evil that he allows in this world. But there's a second thing we can pay attention to as far as what God's providence is. In his great patience, whereby he still upholds and governs all things here, God makes sure that all things come to us, his children, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. He's adopted us of all people as his children in Christ. When you were baptized, God the Father adopted you in Christ and promised that he would care for you and avert all evil or turn it to your benefit. That's what was said over you at the baptismal font. Something he wants you to believe, to trust, that your Father's hand is both in the prosperity and in the adversity you experience. Food and drink, riches and poverty, all those things, they don't come to you by chance. Fate, they come to you by the hand of your loving Father in heaven. Also health and sickness. It isn't so that when you get sick, you know, you, you got that, that virus off that door handle or somebody sneezed by chance. No. It comes from the hand of your loving Father in Christ. He gave you that flu. And it's just like with children at table with their parents. You know, the Father takes care that everyone receives what he needs. He doesn't just dump the food on the table willy-nilly and say to the kids, go to it. No. God is our wise and loving Father in Christ and he gives each what he knows they need according to their need, as he knows that. Like parents with their children at table. You know, the little one gets the bottle. The child who's a bit older gets the pureed potatoes and veggies and the child who's older yet gets potatoes and veggies and some meat on their plate because they can they have the ability to chew it all and so each gets what what they need what suits them that's what a fatherly hand does gives according to need and our father in heaven does that too the perfect father in Christ Parents here can't do that. Parents sometimes maybe even end up favoring one child above another or not understanding their children. They can end up being more understanding of the needs of this child than that of that child. But our Father in heaven could see it all and he knows perfectly what Liz, what each child needs and he loves perfectly and deeply. He made us in the first place. He knows us. He gave his son for us as we also celebrate this afternoon with the Lord's Supper. Rather than leaving our sins unpunished until judgment day, he punished them fully in his son, Jesus Christ. So how incredibly great his love is for us, for each of us. And therefore we can trust he's going to give each of us exactly as he knows is good for us. He works for good in everything for his children. No need for us to question his wisdom. Why me and not him or her? Or 
Why not me and why him or her? No, all things come to us not by chance, but by his loving and fatherly hand. So far, providence for this afternoon. But let's, in the second place, think about what benefit it is for us to know that, that all this. And that's the second question of Lord's Day 10. Does it make any difference for me to know that God's, to know God's providence, that he's in control of all things when I deal with something good or something terrible? It does. At least that's God's intention that it does. We can be patient in adversity, we confess. Patient in adversity. Now, the Bible, if you look at the word patience in the Bible, the original word is hypostasis in Greek, and that means to stand under, to stay under. The picture is then somebody who remains standing under a heavy burden. The person doesn't shake it off, doesn't throw it aside in anger. They carry it. They keep on carrying on. And that's what the patience of believers under adversity is about then. Trust. Hey, that comes down to trust. Trusting that it's your Father in heaven who laid that burden on you to carry, who knows what you can carry. He laid it on you. And then also expectation. Hey? Expecting that he has a good purpose for that and that it'll bring glory to him if I carry this burden. That's why God let Job suffer, so that his faith, Job's faith, would shine to God's glory. It's not about whether it's, it's not in the first place even whether it's to our benefit as such in the first place, but to God's benefit. And if it's to his glory, then we can expect that we will be purified and refined through carrying that burden too. We will Good things will come to us through that. Grow in our dependence on God and and intensity in prayer and will be a testimony to other people of what it means to belong to Jesus Christ. Of course, that patience in adversity isn't necessarily there right away like the flip of a switch. It says, so we can be, it says in our confession, we can be patient in adversity. So it's not by the flip of a switch that you're suddenly patient when as soon as you get a burden. No. Patience is the goal of the adversity that God gives. And you come to that by way of struggle. It's often a fight to accept that burden that God lays on you, right? We don't always want to stand under it. Carry it. Why me? How can this be any good for me or for God's glory? Our hearts can sometimes be so joyful and close to God, but adversity can make a big mess out of that and make you upset and rebellious against God, so you question Him. How do you overcome that? How do you overcome that and come to that patience in adversity? Well, congregation, by cultivating a life that is lived close to the cross of Jesus Christ, if you know what I mean. 
a life close to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you keep one eye always focused on Jesus and his cross, you realize then that the question is not going to be why me, but why not me? And then the cross of Christ also helps you, again, to trust your heavenly Father's love for you in your adversity. God gave me this. He gave his son for me, and this comes from his fatherly hand. And then it also helps you to go on in the expectation that your Father in Christ will have a good purpose for you to to bear this burden, for this adversity that you, you bear. But the thing is, you have to stay close to Jesus Christ and his cross. Think of a boat tied to a post on a dock. The longer that rope is that ties the boat to the dock, the more unstable the boat. It'll be tossed by the waves more. The shorter the rope tying that boat to the dock, the more stable the boat. Well, so it is with the cross of Christ. The closer to Christ's cross, the more stability in your adversity, the more patient you can be and trusting that God, God's hand, His gracious hand is in this. And that's why it's good to celebrate the Lord's Supper too on a regular basis. It's meant to keep us close to Christ, close to the cross of Christ. Keep our rope short. So patience in adversity is the first benefit that we confess there in Lord's Day 10. And then there's the second benefit of believing God's providence. You can also be thankful in prosperity. Notice it says thankful. Not happy. Thankful. Because it's true that prosperity or success usually brings happiness. But thankfulness is acknowledging that your prosperity or success comes totally from God. And thankfulness would also then include being willing then to serve God. If you give thanks to God, but in the meantime continue to cause Him hurt and sorrow in sin, then that's not thankfulness. Thankfulness goes hand in hand with serving God. And congregation, thankfulness and prosperity like that doesn't come easy to us either, does it? Because we so easily get used to the things we get every day again. You know, food and drink, it's there. Friends, they're there. Health, pretty, pretty healthy. Able to walk, see, speak. We find all those things pretty normal. But if we can't eat for one day, then we complain more about that one day we couldn't eat than that we express thankfulness for the 20, 30, 40, 50 years we were able to eat every day. Think about it. Yes, we can even become proud of the good things we have. If we enjoy success in something, you know, and then we seek attention and praise for ourselves, but we forget, forget God who, who gives so that we can give honor to Him above all. Often it's the case that the better things go, the less 
we think of God and the less we give thanks to him. And you realize that it's also a struggle for us then to, be, to become truly thankful in prosperity when there's success or when there's windfall. How can we come to that, that thankfulness every time again, brothers and sisters? How can we overcome our thanklessness and grow in thankfulness? Again, by focusing on Christ and his cross. He's the reason. He's the reason you have good, you have prosperity. Christ hung on that cross, the righteous for the unrighteous, hung there without food or drink so that our Father would provide us with food and drink today again too. He didn't receive pain medicine to relieve his terrible suffering so that we can go to the doctor and receive medicine when we're in pain. He was stripped naked so that we can stand in front of a closet full of clothes and wonder, what are we going to wear today? He was rejected and mocked by others so that we might have friends and brothers and sisters in Christ to support us. Heaven was close to him so that it might always be open for us and we can go to the throne of grace to seek God's help 24-7. He descended into hell so that we can live here on earth with all kinds of blessings still and so that we may know that we're never forsaken by God. Amazing if you think about it. Reason for Thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. And again, think of that boat tied to the dock. The longer the rope, the more unstable the boat on the waves. The shorter the rope, the more stable. The closer to the cross of Christ we live, congregation, the more stable in our thankfulness to our Father in Christ for his good gifts. And then there's that third benefit of knowing God's providence. And that's the last part of the second answer, that we can have a a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. And that word providence is related to the word provide. Provide. God provides like a mother provides what her children need when they go to school in the morning. Coat, warm coat, boots on, mitts on, lunch bag and so on. Provide what they need for that day at school. God provides. And that doesn't mean that you'll have to deal with bad, that you don't have to deal with bad things and that all your desires will be fulfilled. No, it means that God will always provide you with what you need to continue as pilgrim on the way to Jerusalem. That he will give what you need to continue in faith and overcome the obstacles in the way and even grow through that. And that means then that there is no creature, nothing in heaven on earth, no created thing that would be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ. And, of course, 
the, the confidence like that isn't there with the flick of a switch either, right? Okay, I'm thinking about the future. I'm confident. No, that doesn't go that way. We have our worries, our concerns. And you can only come to that confidence through struggle via the fight of faith. We still easily look to the future with overconfidence in ourselves. Eh? That, that, that can happen. I can handle it. I'll be fine. Or we swing over to pessimism, you know, and we worry about this, never make it there. And then we go through all the possible scenarios of what can go wrong, and we worry and we become uncertain. What if, what if, what if? How can we come to that confidence in God and in his love every time there are concerns about the future again? How can you come to that? Again, you need to live close to the cross of Christ, brothers and sisters. He bought us with his precious blood, paid the highest possible price for us, Would he then just simply let go of us then? If somebody else is pulling on our arm? Would he let go of us? Would he allow somebody to pluck us from his hand? No. If you paid a fortune for something, then you're going to hold on to that. You're going to keep that safe, aren't you? Well, that's how we are to Christ and to our Father in him. Think again about that boat tied to the dock. The looser the rope, the more unstable the boat. The shorter the rope, the more stable the boat. The closer to Christ you live in your everyday life. The closer to the gospel, the more stable you will be in your confidence And in your rest in God, you'll find it every time again. And again, that's what this Lord's Supper celebration is about, congregation. Keep the rope, to keep the rope of the boat of your life short. So that you live close to Christ. That keeps your life stable in all the ups and downs of life. Until you enter that perfect rest where there's a sea of glass, that rest which Christ is preparing for all those who look to him. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for being able to confess your gracious providence from your word here this afternoon. If we think about it, we really think it through how good and patient you are in spite of the sins of the people on earth and also our sins. We're part of it. How, good, how patient you are that you still uphold and govern all things so that nothing comes to us by chance but from your hand, from the hand of a loving Father in Christ. Let that confession bring us to patience in adversity every time again, to thankfulness in prosperity, every time again to, and give us confidence in your love and faithfulness when we think about the future. 
We realize that's a process every time. Let us live close to the cross of Christ because that gives us stability in all the ups and downs of our lives. Bring us to that cross this afternoon again through the Lord's Supper celebration as we eat and drink the signs and seals of Christ's death for us. Hear us, we pray, through him, our advocate at your right hand. Amen.